Are you on edge? Come on. We live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs bi-monthly on MaximizeU.life and iTunes. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and courageous conversations about pushing boundaries, exploring our rough edges, and walking between the worlds of what is and what is yet to be. Join me, Sandra Bargeman, on the edge of every day on MaximizeU.life. Hello, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman, and welcome to The Edge of Every Day, now at MaximizeU.life. Are you a change maker? Do you walk between worlds, between cultures, between systems? If you answered yes to any of these questions, The Edge of Every Day is the place for you. In a nutshell, this podcast is about pushing boundaries and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful, those places where we're resistant to change, those places where paradox and contradicting identities live in our beliefs and in our understandings, both individually and collectively. We live in edgy, challenging times, and we cannot keep looking away from the ugly, from the difficult, and silence is no longer an option. Life isn't black or white, it's both, and I want to talk about that. I want to face the tension of paradox, and I want to engage in the hard conversations. I want to explore the rough edges between our light-filled brilliance and our dark, shadowy corners. Because the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks again for tuning in. Today, we are live in the hive with our special guest, Mistress Dana Ferrant, for our follow-up interview, a part two, if you will, to our episode from a couple of months ago the inner dominatrix, the edge of power, pain, pleasure, and possibility. You can catch that episode at MaximizeU.life slash podcast slash the edge of every day. I absolutely loved that conversation Dana shared about her harsh childhood, her extremely unique healing journey, how her discovery of kink contributed to her healing process We touched on how she's come to serve her clients on their healing journey using the wisdom of sacred sexuality and surrender, how the inner dominatrix work translates seamlessly in leadership, business, and entrepreneurialism. We heard stories, Dana shared one nugget of wisdom after another, and we touched upon her upcoming, what? Sixth book, hello. Unfortunately, our conversation was far too short. We touched on many powerful points. However, we knew we wanted to dive down deeper into the dungeon to meet the dominatrix archetype and dispel 
some of the shadowy myths around her power and her service. Much like the witch archetype, the dominatrix archetype is misunderstood and maligned in our patriarchal world. So without further ado, let me introduce you, or rather reintroduce you, to our guest. Dana Ferrant is a woo-woo master with the power to see people's core issues. She has a strong penchant for personal development, is a borderline crazy cat lady, and she helps alpha men and women face their shit so they can feel more alive, have more sex, and make more money. Dana is a dominatrix, sexual high priestess, five times best-selling author, stay tuned for number six, and seven-figure CEO. Welcome, Mistress Dana Farrant. <laughs> <laughs> that was like by far the best introduction on a podcast ever. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh. You're you're describing the, you know, the top conversation that we had. And I'm like, I think I want to go listen to that. It sounds so good. <laughs> I'm it like, was wait, so I'm good. there. <laughs> I, so, well, I had to go back and listen to it again, just because, because I knew you were coming back on and, and oh. I, you know, I go back and I listen to them anyway, but it, it's just always, listen, I want to be as present and to our conversation as possible. So it was really a joy to revisit it. And you and I popped off of that and thought, oh, we just touched on things. And which, of course, I get why you and I felt that way. Meanwhile, yeah. it was potent. I mean, yeah. it didn't feel like we, you know, we just got into the, just into it down deep right out of the gate. Well, so I, I'm not going to ask you the same two questions I ask all my guests. So you, you've <laughs> made me have to come up with a new one, which I love. Um and and as my listeners know, I like it's to warm us up, warm my guest up and get a different perspective. But Dana and I, as we just said in our pre-chat, um, we can get deep pretty quick and without a blink of an eye, but I'm still going to ask this question. Um, <laughs> I, I Actually, I have two and I'm going to let you choose because they're kind of related and both of them just made me laugh. And okay. so you, you can kind of merge them too. So the first one is, what do people misunderstand about you most? <laughs> I can't even what, say. Did they not misunderstand? I know, right, exactly. Because <laughs> that made me think, of course, you know, what uh, I was thinking of a conversation I had with a friend of mine and she's, and I'll, so I'll share, if you choose to answer that, oh, come on, let's just answer that and then I'll give you the other one. Yeah. I, but, it, it really is a, it, it would be shorter to say what they don't. Um, what are they <laughs> What they I think I think probably the biggest misunderstanding is um, seeing the dominatrix work as this abusive control over. And, Ooh. you know, like I've had people say, you know, oh, you must take your anger out on men. And I'm like, whoa, like if I'm not hitting from a place of love, I'm not hitting because like that's not that's not cool. It's not consensual. Um, but mm -hmm. that's that that's part of that misconception about the archetype yeah. of the dominatrix. I think because it looks harsh from the outside. Oh, but my, yeah. Understanding how deep of an intake I do with people. I mean, we're talking like upwards of three, four hours that sit down and I'm like diving into your psyche. I'm doing this with 
so much love and so much understanding of where you're at psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, all of those pieces are taken into consideration so that you're safe and you get to surrender and have some fun. Yeah. That is so awesome. And leave it to you to dive right into, you know, all of the, it's just all of the questions that I want to ask. You've touched on the shadow, you've touched on the archetype and the myth and all of that stuff that I want to tease apart. And I've got to tell you, Dana, people reached out to me after they saw that you and I were having a conversation and or watched or listened to our conversation and people loved it. Mm -hmm. And people were really moved that, you know, and we touched on this in our conversation, this sort of uh, the people that aren't exposed to this kind of thing that, that, that may walk around with those myths, with that misunderstanding, that stereotypical and cliche understanding of, of the work that this is and the sacredness mm. of it. And they really were very proud of you and I for sharing that in such a really depthful and, and loving and fun sort of way. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's totally beautiful. Um, I what inspired me to ask you that question, I have to share it for my listeners, is um people understand misunderstand about me is that everyone thinks I because I'm so intense that I have to be a bitch. People who don't know me that I must be really like a bitch. And <laughs> and, and 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 to which I respond like in my most angry tone, intense tone of voice, I am so nice. I'm like the nicest person I know. <laughs> like proving their point completely. <laughs> All right. So now you have me curious. What is the other question that? Okay. Well, what insult have you received that you're most proud of? <laughs> Uh-oh. Hmm. <clears throat> Oh my goodness. There's a number of them. So, um, you know, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick this one. So I had, um, so I'm on and off the dating apps every now and then. And, and I, and I'm quite bold on the board dating apps because it's like, if, if you can't talk about sex, if you can't, you know, do these things, then we're not a good match. Well, that's your magic, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You. So, uh, I'm going to be kind of graphic here. You know, it's so like right Go out of the for gate. It. I'm like, hey, you know, it's like introduction thing of like, your face looks like it needs a pussy to sit on. <laughs> Bam. Bam. Like, just like, boom. Right? And and for the right fit, the guys lean into that and right. they're like, oh, absolutely. Can you help me out with that? But this one guy, he's like, wow, the mouth on you. <laughs> and you, and and like, you went, the, the iron is lost on you, the mouth exactly. on Exactly. I'm like, and you will not get to experience how good that is. <laughs> So sorry. <laughs> wow. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Well, perfect. Uh, perfect. That's such both. Everything you've shared is just such a perfect seg right into all of this. You know, I was listening to, uh, I, I chose to listen to a podcast that I probably wouldn't have listened to yesterday because knowing that we were hopping back into conversation and, um, it was on sacred sexuality. And there was this wonderful phrase that was used, the vilification of our sexual selves. Mm. And I thought that like in a nutshell, that, that those words is, is the shadow, is, 
you know, what, what has been drained, the life force that has been drained, the sexual life force of who we are that's been drained from yeah. our lives, from our aliveness, from the way that we all move in the world and the the need for that sexual consciousness to rise again so that it it serves our human consciousness evolution. Hello. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting. I had a conversation this morning with a friend of mine and we were talking about swear words and derogatory words and, you know, just, you know, jumping off of that. I mean, there's been suppression of everybody's sexuality, but predominantly and even more so for women, you know, oh, our, totally. our sexuality has been vilified and, you well, know, because we also create. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so much there. Yeah. Um, but you think about what are the, what are the harshest words that people use and they all have to do with female sexuality. Right. And Very I you know, won't go into point. saying them because I know that they're triggering for a lot of people, but you, you start listing it, like start thinking of like, what, what do people say? Right. Even you get, you got guys on a, on a construction site. What are they calling each other? Yeah. They're not, they're not calling each other male genitalia names. Right. They're calling each other female, right? And it's that. It's but in that, if we mm. use that, if we use someone else's sexuality to to put somebody else down, it puts the entire situation in a place where nobody feels good about their sexuality. Yeah. And I think there's just there's so much. Well, I know there's so much shame around sex and being allowed to enjoy what we want to enjoy. I, I see it with clients. You know, they come in. They'll have like an amazing first session where they really get to explore things that, you know, are on the taboo, but we really, you know, make it a safe space for them to explore those things. They feel great. They feel like they've come home. They leave. And a couple of days later, it sinks in that, that, oh my God, they've had this amazing experience. Oh my God, I can't do that ever again. Ah! And wow. then it'll Oh yeah. It is very, very fascinating. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough. I mean, between that and the fact that people don't talk about sex in general, um, the dominatrix work is never a word of mouth business. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. You don't sit around going, oh, I just want to see this really great <laughs> dominatrix. You should go see her. She's fantastic. She's in my, my BNI networking group. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, I should. Wait, I think we that. just, I think we just touched on something. I, I think we need to change that. <laughs> we do. We totally do. Oh, uh, and, and, and so what, why is that? Why, why do they, I mean, cause I just, uh, uh, uh when I was digging more deeply into some of the research around this, the psychological element that is involved that, that where did I read this? It was somewhere like 60 to 70, or maybe it even was 80% of the work of a dominatrix is psychological oh. work. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I, I mean, I could totally get that the second I read it, but I still thought, Oh, that's fascinating. So yeah. is, would you say that that's why they run? I mean, is it's certainly it's, a contribution. I, I'd say it's um, why they run is the sexual shame. So, oh, yeah. and, and so, so typically, you know, it is predominantly men that come to see me, you know, yeah. I have a few, there are some women, but it's predominantly men. And, you know, you've got men who, 
who have a lot of shame about, you know, I want to cross dress or, you know, I want to have a bisexual experience. And it is really like, there's a lot of shame for men to want to explore that, that side of themselves. That's and yet- why this work in today's world is so on point and necessary yes. and powerful. Yes. So we, anyway. we need to, to pull that out because, you know, that's where they've been shamed. You know, don't be a sissy. Don't be a pussy. Right. Um, like they, they get oh, yeah. that imprinted all the time and so if they have this fantasy of wanting to be able to you know enjoy giving pleasure to a man that's falling in the category of being a sissy right and that goes so it clashes and so this is the thing is that you know you go away and you've had this good experience but it clashes with earlier programming and then your subconscious mind kicks in and goes we gotta shut that shit down yeah. Like so, that is not happening again. No, no, you can't go there ever again. And so then, then your brain goes, oh my God, that's too expensive. And I just spent all that money and blah, blah, blah. like you create all kinds of other reasons why you can't go. So but how do you deal with these people or do you get an opportunity to revisit that? Okay. Uh, unless they're willing to come back, you know, some of them a few years later will come back. They'll finally get up the courage to come out of the closet again and try it. But a lot of times, you know, there's just nothing. Cause I, they haven't consented to the therapy side of things. So I can't call them out if they're coming in for, for the dominatrix piece. I mean, we can do therapy and there's, there's beautiful things that can happen in the therapy. Like I have some clients who come and talk to you, talk more about that for therapy. Uh, It is like super fast imprinting. Let me tell you, it's like, you've probably done a lot of different modalities. You know, you, you run statements and you breathe to release the energy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Well, we take it to another level when we add in like spankings, mm-hmm. you know, hitting somebody with a wooden spoon, just it jars the system mm-hmm. and gets them to break out of that conditioning faster than a lot of the other modalities that I work with. But not everybody's willing to, you know, get naked and get on the spanking bench for me. So, right. <laughs> but those that do, it's amazing. Like one session and they will change lifetime patterns in that in that area, whatever it is that we're working on. Uh, I, so I'm I'm so curious about how, if you can continue, and um, maybe you can't. Maybe you're not in a position to disclose some of your what what other ways uh, show up psychologically. Uh, in your work, how you work like with what, clients. What else, what other things come up for them or what, what other ways? I mean, it, it, is it just, it, it, is it just, it's through the fluid. It's not, there's no talk. Is there talk during any yeah, of this? It depends. It depends on the session. So um, usually if, if somebody's coming in more for therapy, there is a little more talk. It's a little more guided as far as what I want them to lean into. Um, usually we'll, we'll try to recreate something that sets up that scene right. of, whatever it was, right? So for my own case, it was setting up um, a situation where I felt I had no control. I, I felt disempowered. And and then- If I may, can you get yes. a little more specific? Because yeah. I, you know- Am I, I okay think, to go graphic? Yeah. Okay. Please, because so, I think it's so powerful. Okay. I just always, you know, I'm always cautious. I know you're respectful. How, yeah. Um, so for me, I, I've had sexual abuse in my childhood. I had that growing up. Um, and in my early, my early, you know, twenties, early in that time frame. 
So I met with somebody who was an amazing dom. He had a lot of healing skills and we talked about recreating a rape scene so that there was that sense of being um, captive, being held down, being forced. You know, I knew I was, it was consenting to this thing, but we also set it up so that there was a certain point in which uh, I gave him the code word and then we could flip it. And so I started taking back my power, started to be able to say no, screaming the no's, the, all the no that I couldn't say in those moments. It's so powerful. Yeah. And with that intention of setting it up of like, I am reclaiming that no of all the no's that I couldn't say. Yeah. And then to be able to have another code word that indicated, okay, I'm done. I'm done with the screaming of the nose. Now it's actually like stop and I need care. Mm. And it was being able to actually put an end to the scene allowed me to reclaim again, all the power that I felt that I lost in those situations. It's like, I have the power to, to reclaim this. I have the power to say no and have that respected and heard. And that changed so many things in my body. Like I didn't even realize that I had been walking around depressed until after I'd had a couple of these sessions where I got it out of my body and reclaiming my ability to say no. And now I continue to do some work and, and the book that's coming out, oh my God, Xander, like this book that's coming out is like lifetime of therapy for me, but it is, it's, it's, like the conclusion, it feels like the conclusion and total reclaiming of my sexual power, my willingness to own who I am as a sexual being um, and really letting go of all of the obligation imprinting. So having grown up in a cult, there's a lot of imprinting that my, what I want doesn't matter, who I, who I am doesn't matter. And certainly my sexual pleasure didn't matter. And so it's been years of working to rewire all of that in a way that's that's healthy and, and reclaiming. So you're gonna hear you're hearing in my voice. I am still a little shaky. I did some really deep processing today, so I'm still a little, uh, <laughs> but it's good. It's moving. It's beautiful. I didn't want to miss this conversation. Oh, woman. Thank you. And, and to, to, to bear witness to that in your conversation is a gift. Thank mm. you. Thank you. Whoa, the somatic work. I, mm -hmm. I I'm I, I, every hair on my body is standing on end right now, thinking about the power of that somatic work and the willingness. I mean, I can only imagine I friends that I know that have been raped hearing this conversation and having the opportunity to do that, to revisit that and experience that just so powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, where do I want to go with that? Um, um, wow. So, um, Uh, well, so you, I have a question here. You've experienced catharsis through kink. Uh, yeah, uh, just to, uh, just to, Check. yeah, I think, um, I think I got an answer to that question. Um, before we move on to, um, some of the other things we've touched on and, and I want to get into myths and the shadow, I mean, you've already gone into the shadow, um, 
while we're talking about some of the stuff that you've been processing since we're right there, what was or is the greatest gift of your work for you? And would you say for your clients? Mm, two different things. So stepping into the dungeon for me has been, um, I, I'd say, I'd really say it's in this theme of letting go of the obligation imprinting. So like I said, that was heavily imprinted, not just society that most people get, but heavily imprinted with the cult programming. Um, which is and just to refresh everyone who who might be seeing this the first time, right? And you haven't gone back and listened to the first one. Um, Stop and go back, but yes, yeah, okay. yeah. But she grew she grew up in uh, a religious cult, yes. um, Jehovah's Witness. So. Yeah, yeah. So that um, that sense of obligation, feeling like I need to do things for people because, well, for men because they've asked. Um, there's a real shift because, and this is, this is one of the other, you know, paradoxes. So yes, there's a lot of people doing dominatrix work in which it is client led client says, you know, Hey, I want to explore a, um, you know, interrogation scene. And so the dominatrix sets up an interrogation scene, but the client is still kind of topping from the bottom, right? They're still Mm -hmm. kind of leading, they're not really dropped in submission. So the way I like to work is this piece of, I do that deep, deep dive intake. I know what's okay, what's not okay. And then from there, I get to decide, what do I feel like exploring today? Right. Which is like, it's been a, like a really big mind fuck for me because I'm like, the client's paying me and not, you know, not little money. Like it's like a decent amount of money they're paying me and I'm the one who's going to decide. <laughs> but Without that intention and yes, without that intention, I'm not holding the power. The minute that I'm catering to them, I'm not holding the power and they don't get the luxury of fully surrendering. So I rip them off. Yeah. I I don't get that. I totally get that. It's been, it's been hard, but it was, it's also been so transformative for me because it's, it like. I have to get let go of the obligation. Oh. It's been beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, clients for the first time, I've, I've had a number of clients who for the first time, because we take them through this process and I make them commit and prepay for, you know, a, a number of sessions and all of that is to set up the power dynamic. Then they mm. can actually, they actually let go and hit what we call subspace that, that space of bliss the first time. And these are people who they've been going for 10 or 30 years. Yeah. Wow. So I want to touch on that. And is that called bottoming? Topping from the bottom. So topping from the bottom is when the person, so there's, okay, so let's go, let's do a quick terminology here. Okay. So within this world, so there's the dominant Mm -hmm. uh, and a submissive. And so dominant and submissive has all the psychological power play. Okay. So there's all of that, you know, control, you've got to let go, you got to surrender. And then there's topping and bottoming. And the top and bottom play is not, does not have the power dynamic. So that would be, you know, you've, you're, you tie your lover to the bed, you know, and you, you torture them a little bit, maybe blindfold them. That could be top and bottom. So the person who's leading would be the top and the person who's, who's surrendering or letting go is the bottom. 
And when we say someone's topping from the bottom, they're wanting things to be done to them and they're trying to direct the person who's doing, who's in charge. Got it. So fine if you've agreed for top and bottom situation, but when you've agreed for dominant submissive, no, that doesn't work. Okay, so there's two things I want to go with this uh, about, I mean, ultimately for listeners, this is about a a power exchange and the connection to power and Mm -hmm. the energetic exchange as well. Uh, when I, when I, I must have misread this in some of my research, because you talked about this in your, and I want to get back to the power exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talked about this in our last conversation and you just mentioned it going into this place of bliss. And I thought that was what was called bottoming where you just get into this void. I've read it in a couple of places, this complete you have surrendered to the point of bliss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so we this, call that subspace. Got it. Okay. And and so let's talk about the the power energy exchange and mm-hmm. how it relates to that getting there and and the dominant and and this is a great door into our first myth that that you know that a dominatrix is just an angry bitch. See, you ju- I just used that word bitch, that female dog. Yeah. Just taking care of her babies. Mm-hmm. As now in our society is now a derogatory word. Yeah. Um, anyway. It, it, so. It'll take a while to change the language for everybody. But um, yeah, so, so that is, I think what would help a lot of people is if we think of this in terms of, play yes so right when role you get play on, role play when you get on stage you are a character so you could play the most villainous vile evil person but that's not you mm-hmm. right but in that moment you are fully embodied hopefully if you're a good actor you're fully embodied into that character and in that moment you feel what it feels like to be that One of the great pleasures of acting Right? You get to be that vile, evil person for a little while. Enjoy that. And really, um, dominant submissive is a type of role play with a bit of a twist in that there is a reality to it. There's There's a real layer in that I do actually embody a lot of that. Like, I have to be it. I can't pretend to be dominant. I have to actually believe it in my body which means I have to be it. It's different from being on stage. Yeah, indeed. I totally get that. And and the the and how that plays into you doing your own shadow work mm. is potent. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because And that plays into I, the whole anger thing. Yeah. If I haven't done my shadow work, if I haven't looked at, you know, where I might get triggered, then what if that happens in a session? You know, and I've got submissive, you know, tied up to the cross and he says something he's not supposed to. And I'm like, I'm pissed. I've got an implement in my hand that could do some serious damage. Yeah. That's not like if I'm not doing my work, I'm not going to stop and go, okay, I'm triggered here. I take a breath, you know, and I'm not going to say that to the the person. I'm going to be like, I'm going to give you a minute to think about what you just said. Yeah. 
and I'm going to go sit down, breathe, compose myself. They're going to be worried about what's actually coming, which is delicious. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> do not hit out of anger. Do not hit out of anger. <laughs> right. You know, bring myself back around. And if I can't bring myself back around, I'm going to call stop. Yeah. Because if I can't hit from a place of love, I shouldn't be doing it. I mean, those are my ethics with this. I, I, I know I've heard far too many stories of people being broken from sessions or whether it's paid or unpaid. It's really quite sad how much goes on. And it comes back around to what we talked at the beginning, right? If we can't own our sexuality and we can't talk openly about this, then you end up in the shadows, not the shadow work but in the shadows where the scary people are who are ready to take advantage of you yeah and there are certainly lots of them anyway that's a whole other look it off my soapbox well no no it's it's thank you for bringing it up it's yeah i mean you know it just makes me so such an enormous topic because of how we have vilified sensuality and sexuality And particularly, as we began with, for women. And, you know, it's not men who are, uh, who are, that we want to turn into pure little, uh, just lay there and let it be done to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's the women. It's not the men. Um, the men are having all the fun and the women are just there, just getting it done to, because I'm entitled. Ah, uh, Okay. Um, so, um, do we want to move into some, some more of the myths, you know, and some of the, oh, here's something, here's a question I want to ask, uh, and we'll get into some, some other the myths. Maybe this will, uh, ease us into that as well. In your opinion, um, do you consider sacred sexuality a spectrum or is it all one? And I mean, my question is, do you consider kink sacred? I mean, I think I know your answer. I certainly know what my (laughs) answer is. Um, From what I've gathered, I do think kink is sacred. I think anything that gets us to this place. But anyway, go ahead. I want you to answer. I, I I think there's the possibility of the sacred being incorporated into any form of sensuality Indeed. sexuality sex play uh into our all, all of our life into breathing into yeah, seeing period. the sunset period like living hello yeah i'm alive, alive. everything I'm is sacred you and everything's sacred um but it, it it's a matter of do we do that with intention are we coming into the dungeon to invite the sacred to come with us or are we there and it, there's no wrongness right you could go just for the just for the thrill of it because and why is that not thrilling right why is that not sacred thrill is fun yeah and fun is sacred but to me i think what makes things sacred is the um the appreciation of it so and the the transformative quality of it it's not even that i i I mean i love that part of it I'm, i'm all about transformation but i think just the mm, 
I am struggling for the words. I, you know, reverence is what comes to my mind, but yeah. it's a little too associated with religion, but the, no, I use reverence all the time. Yeah. It's, it's like, if you sit down and you have like an amazing piece of chocolate cake and you take a bite and you're like, oh my God. Right. And your whole body just like has this little mini orgasm, or at least mine does. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you're very in touch with your senses. Yes. AKA your sensuality, your, your yeah. sense of aliveness and, and I being think embodied. That, being embodied. That, right. It's that to me. If you bring that kind of appreciation to whatever it is that you're doing, then, then there's an aliveness to the body that happens. There's, there's orgasms that happen. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm very fortunate being highly orgasmic that I can sit and watch a sunset and have orgasms because I'm like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And then my body's like, whoa, I'm like, oh, that was good. <laughs> All right. All right, ladies, you heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's, that is also, I will just preface this. I have been working on my sexuality the sexual trauma for decades. Yeah. So if you're, if someone's listening and you're not there, please do not make yourself wrong about Thank that. You. It is a place where you can get to, and it's a reason to keep going yeah. on the healing journey. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You are something, my friend. Thank you. So let's talk about myths. Um, women are submissive, men are dominant. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if it's a myth so much as like a societal, a societal pressure to be mm. that way, yeah. um, an expectation. And I, I do see that played out in, you know, in our, like if we look at dating and sexual pursuit, it is expected that men will do the pursuing and women are being chosen, right? Women are yeah. the, the hunted and men are the hunters. Right. And yet when you talk to men, so many of them, they were like, I would love it if she would, she would come. Right. Oh my goodness. It'd be so good. If I didn't have to be the one always doing the pursuit, but this is what's expected and what is um, encouraged. So as boys are growing up, them taking risks, doing stupid things like jumping off of the roof of the garage is applauded. Mom is freaking out, but dad's like, there you go. Hey, you only broke a leg. Good for you. Right. Those subtle messages. Whereas you know, as girls, typically it's like, careful, let me put the training wheels on. Oh, you're not ready to have those taken off. I don't want you to fall over. Like it's discouraged if we go and bump our shins and, you know, get in a scrap. Yeah. Right? And that subtle messaging comes through in how we end up playing out sexually that I think that's where a lot of women have a more imprinted desire to be taken right? That, that man comes in, he sweeps you off your feet and he, you know, just picks you up and carries you off to the bedroom, the whole, you know, romance stories, right? Or mm -hmm. in the kink stories is, you know, he comes along and he, you know, does, does things a little more graphic. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, <I'm still> here. <laughs> There's a reason I don't go too graphic. It's more. <laughs> yes. Um. Um, but I think, I think that's imprinting as opposed to mm. if we were left to discover our own innate desires without that, you know, kind of form molding that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, what are, is there any other myth that, 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 that has a lot of prevalence in the work that you do that, that shows up in a way that you work with any myth that you want to dispel? Um, um I think we touched on it. Some of it, I mean, you know, some people are, are surprised that women come to the dungeon. Um, and I, I think that would be something I would like to see more women explore that because it has mm. so many possibilities for healing, mm. like to come for those reasons and to start to explore everything you just touched on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So many possibilities. Um, the other thing. I can't imagine it not, there's not one person that couldn't because you're so intentional and because you're so we negotiate everything here. We talk about every single aspect that's going mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. And th there, I can't imagine there being anyone that could not have great value in a well, session. Even just the intake. Yeah. Extremely powerful because just the willingness to, to look like self-reflect. Yes. It's like, how do you feel about bondage? What kind of bondage do you like, like, you know, to really get specific because. And not I, titter off in a corner about it. Yeah. Unknowingly. Like, oh, hmm, yeah. I'm oh, so well. pure. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this, this piece, but when we start to allow ourselves to actually talk very specifically and very openly, it creates a freedom. And yeah. for me to dig in and say, well, you know, Hey, well, tell me what you like about bondage. What does it do for you? How does it feel? Gives me more information. And there's a self-reflection that happens in, in that process of, you know, when somebody starts asking me, you know, when I went through this is that there was like, oh, well, why do I like that? I don't know. Like there's some yeah. things I just hadn't ever thought about. Why do I like it? I don't, oh, hmm. I think because it does. And there's, so there's that awareness. I think if we did that, I mean, in so many areas of our life. I was just going to say like every yeah. day, everywhere. Every day. Yes. <laughs> the edge of every day, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get that honest with ourselves and with each Indeed. other um, would improve relationships and, you know, even just vanilla sex, all of the things. Right. Yeah. Well, and I just, you know, I think about people who like porn and how we've turned porn into this horrible thing and and like it's all it's all gross or or not you know that that yeah. like everything that you know it, there's nothing wrong with liking porn and there's nothing wrong with cross-dressing and there's nothing wrong you know all of these in the world that we live in right now and just the the the, the yeah. need to make it wrong what i you know and and meanwhile the the irony that the people who are the loudest about making it wrong are the ones that are engaging in it and you know talk about an unhealed shadow yes Ugh. yeah um so we've talked about myths and 
roles. Lastly, um, how do you perceive that that the work of a dominatrix or the work of a sex worker or the under how how has it or has it at all shifted um, in the time that you have been engaged in doing it? Has the evolution of the work shifted? I've, I've been watching the evolution. I mean, I'm, my first career was as a massage therapist. So I was very aware of prostitution, you know, because people would get confused as to, and, and I always said at that time, I'm like, just legalize it so that we can actually label everything properly. The people who are yeah. looking for a happy ending can go find find that. it. Yeah, they don't have to ask me, who is not providing the happy ending, right. and everybody wins. Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been aware of the industry for for quite some time. There has been changes, um, much more so in Canada. So I'm in Canada. You're in the U.S. There's, there's been, as with a lot of things for human rights, Canada tends to be a little further ahead. Um, so Thank we you. have, yeah, we have not quite legalized prostitution um there's still some pieces that they could really work on but it's not illegal it's in this right. really gray zone as to what it is and what it isn't and it's more about the solicitation as opposed to the acts so i think that is great um we do need to step it up because um so the stats that i've read and and this is what what everybody quotes is that you know we're we have these prostitution laws to protect against human trafficking so here's the thing how what percentage of prostitutes do you think are trafficked what would you guess uh it's around one percent mm, okay one yeah. percent so yeah. we have laws in place to supposedly protect 1%. Yeah, but who, who's trafficking? Protect. Who's trafficking? Men. Yes. Yeah. Well, but but they're saying that they're trying to yes. protect, right? Exactly. But trafficking. all of these rules make it harder for the for the sex workers who want to do this, who really yeah. is like, this is what I feel like doing. Yeah. They make it scarier for them. Yeah, they make indeed. it riskier for them. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem. It's like, you are not protecting anybody with these laws the way they are right. and this touting this line of saying that you're protecting you're you're reducing the human trafficking no you're not yeah so it's an area where we could really um expand but we have had dramatic changes in the last 25 years um there was a dominatrix in toronto i think it was about 20 25 years ago she she went and took the court to task she was um, oh god bless charged. her yeah she was charged and um and she took him to task and won so fabulous yeah it was a long drawn out process and i'm sure it cost her a boatload of money oh, wow but wow. She, she really was instrumental in making some big changes in the uh, in the industry so wow yeah, yeah. congratulations to her <laughs> okay i am looking at the time i friend. know Wang. <laughs> Wang. Um, I came across this quote by Anais Nin that I, I just loved. It's so perfect. I am so thirsty for the marvelous that only the marvelous has power over me. Mm. Anything I cannot transform into something marvelous, I let go. 
reality doesn't impress me. I only believe in intoxication, in ecstasy. And when ordinary life shackles me, I escape one way or another. Mm. Totally love that. That is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I love her. Um, well, uh, let's again uh, talk about uh, the name of your book, when it's coming out, where people can find it, where people can find you. All right. So I'm working on getting another uh, way for people to subscribe, but initially right now, just send me an email. So it's Dana at DanaFarrant.com. The last name is P-H-A-R-A-N-T. That will uh, be in the show notes, people. That'll be in the show notes. Um, I'm in LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me through social media, that's my only real platform I'm doing anything with. Mm. Um, not that I'm there that often. But. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the book is still in progress, but we're loose working title, which I'm pretty sure is going to be the final title is Sex and Surrender. Brilliant. Ugh, I love it. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, again, my friend, I am simply blown away by your your willingness to share and all your nuggets of wisdom and just the beauty in which you move through the world. Mm, thank you. It's always such a delight to hang out with you. Thank you. Well, um, for folks who want to find um, other, we're as you know, we're at Maximize You. Dot life and also streaming on iTunes. We are soon to be pushing out back onto um, uh, some of the other platforms that you can find your podcasts on. Um, that is coming in the next month um, or so. Uh, I'm traveling to India for those um, interested. I'm going to India, yeah, to give a presentation um, on impactful communication, people. Nice. Um, yeah, it's totally nice. I can't and I can't wait to be in that culture. But uh, our 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 uh, conversations will continue to drop while I'm away, of course. And you can to remind people you can get all of my former uh, episodes, which will also be included in getting them back out into all these different uh, podcast arenas, can at present be found on my YouTube channel, Sandra on the Edge of Sandra Bargeman on the Edge of Every Day. <laughs> Sandra on the Edge. Um, that's the <laughs> title of my comedy show. Sandra on the Edge. Um, <laughs> which makes me think I, it, I, I had this thought while you were talking, you needed to create a show. You needed to create a one woman show like to sex and surrender, like surrender in the city. I can just so see you like surrender in the city. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh my Lord. <laughs> but, uh, but I digress, um, as per usual, um, again, thank you, dear Dana for being on the edge of every day. It has been a complete pleasure. And for those of you listening in, thank you for spending time with us. Remember, you are always at the edge of the miraculous. Take good care. <laughs>